Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Okay, so Greg, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, man. This is cool. So we've talked about this a lot, doing something like this in yes. COVID. Yeah. Yeah, we actually had it booked for last March. Right. Right. And right. We texted and we're like, well, hey, you know, everything's shut down. Maybe it's not a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but we cool. could have done the Zoom. We we could have definitely done that. You know, I think and actually we can get into this a little bit, but um, I think people are finding obviously through Zoom and, and remote work, but stuff like content and interviews and stuff is pretty effective. But I think this is always better. Yeah, yeah. for us it's better. Yeah, right? yeah. So better energy and everything. So if you don't know Greg Dooley from M Victors, here he is. Uh, we're gonna kind of get the history of mvictors.com. Yeah, a big history buff in all areas of life, apparently. I'd right? say so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so get the, the background of Greg. If you read M. Victor's and you don't know the man behind the scenes, this is a great opportunity to, to learn more and then maybe how it got started and, and uh, the future. Sure, right? sure, yeah. And also we'll marry that with money because Greg is actually a financial instructor of sorts. As, a, as kind of another hobby of mine, yeah, yeah. a financial peace coordinator. Yeah. Excellent. From the uh, Dave Rams, what do they call it, Ramsey University, uh, Financial Peace University. Financial Peace University from Dave Ramsey and or uh, Ramsey Solutions, I think, is his company's called. So. Yes, excellent, excellent. So, not a man without a little controversy, by the way. So right. we can talk about that. Yeah, I, I, I do. I'm a Dave guy, <laughs> yeah. but I don't follow everything, you know. Right. So I grew up in Hazlitt, and I like to say, you know, I grew up in a small town, and I witnessed people making bad financial decisions, people I care about, right? And I think to myself, I don't want to be like that and I want to help other people not be like that. But you grew up not too far away. Now, well, let me ask you though, but you, you had that on your mind growing up? Like you had that in mind that this is something I want to do? I think subconsciously. Okay, that's cool. At, yeah. You know, after reading the Science Cynic book, Start With Why, you're like, you're like really? I, re I read it, listened to it a couple times and it all just kind of became clear. This is why I do what I do. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up, uh, as you said, just right outside Hazlitt um, uh, in Okemos, which is many o people. Okemos. Okemos, you call <laughs> it. So in Okemos, going up uh, 96, a lot of people get off when they go to Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, it's the Spartan Stadium. So yeah, and really not far. In fact, actually played football with guys because we had a combined team, a Meridian Township football team, like in seventh grade. So I still know some oh, of those okay. guys. And um, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a fun community, but but frankly, right in the shadow of Michigan State University, yeah. which I used to get a lot. Like, well, you're a Michigan guy, how can you, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. I get yeah. it all the time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Hazlitt Okemos, which doesn't make any sense to me, by the way, but we can talk about that. <laughs> Okemos is, is bigger. Like back in the day, it was class A versus class B. So when I when I was in high school, we really never played Okemos very much. Like. I don't think maybe basketball once that was it and but when I was in high school is when they built the new Okemos High School which was like like bigger than the Meridian Mall right it was built it was like a palace and with ours they decided to add on you know <laughs> right right <laughs> and so we we thought 
man, what's up with Ulchemist? These are the rich kids, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's funny because I live in Celine now, which is, I feel like is kind of similar to Hazlitt Ulchemist in that it's the suburb suburbs of the big university, right? Yeah. Where a lot of people from Ulchemist supported the university, either as professors um, mm -hmm. or all the various functions, you know, around the university, including some of the coaches. We had the same thing in Celine. Um, but for as far as Hazlitt, yeah, it was never really viewed as a threat by like Okamis. Our, <laughs> our little brother. Our threat was East Lansing. So <laughs> that yeah. was the big, but we didn't play them either because we were in the same league with them, which is kind of funny. Huh. We weren't in East Lansing's league and we weren't in a league with Hazlitt, but there were some times when we played each other. Yeah. And yeah. now they're all together in the Capital Area Circuit. I, I think so because I know we play both uh, now. Yeah. And it's, it's, I'm like, wow, that would have been something. Cool. That would have been more fun, you know, if you think about it. So you played you played some sports as a kid? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I played basketball for a while. I think I stopped my freshman year and then I played tennis and football uh, varsity in high school. And, uh, and you're a Spartan fan growing up? Absolutely. In fact, um, man, some of my best memories, Kirk Gibson, which is probably a little before your time, but some of those early memories of being at Spartan Stadium, uh, went to the 88 Rose Bowl. Nice. Um, Bobby McAllister and Lorenzo White. Amazing. Yep. And uh, what else? My first job, my first paying like paycheck job was popcorn sales because you could do that underage, really? you know, under at Spartan Stadium. Wow. Yeah. I didn't last very long, <laughs> but <laughs> but it was a good, it, it still is my first job. And I, and so I'll tell you that you'll never really see me disparage um, Spartans. And if you, First of all, I don't, I don't want to get into that. I don't really do it against Buckeyes as much. It's a little more fun. They're a little farther away, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. But I don't, I don't disparage. And frankly, um, because I, th I feel like uh, all of us have close uh, friends, relatives, and all that. And not, I'm not saying you can't rip on state because of that. Um, it's just something I've always I've held off on. And I have a very good relationship with my brother, who's a very, very big Spartan fan. So, gotcha. So, yeah. My brother... Uh... My, my parents, my brother, everyone went to Michigan State. Uh, I'm, a, I'm the black sheep. Yeah. So you, we also have a, have a friend in common because you went to school with my stepbrother. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And I actually, uh, this is like Arkansas, but I, but I know your dad a little bit yeah. through, through uh, that relationship. Right. Great guy. Haven't seen him in a long time. And uh, yeah, so we, we have uh, those ties. <laughs> Yeah, I love Troy. So I haven't seen him in a long time. Yeah, Troy's down in Florida, loving, loving, loving life. He, he can go out to eat, so that's cool. Oh yeah, that would be mm -hmm. nice. That would be nice. So as an as like a junior senior in high school, making the choice, right, with school, with college. Yeah. Obviously, Michigan State's right there, but had good enough grades to get into Michigan. So yeah, was that an easy choice for you. It was close. Yeah, I. You know, we always do this, well, I never would have gotten into Michigan. I do think like the standards of grades have changed, how they apply. Um, but if you looked at my grade point average and my test scores, like compared to someone today, I'm not even close, I, right? I'm in the same same league as you. Yeah, so I mean, but Michigan wasn't crazy back then. I think I think there were different ranges of scores. But yeah, I, I got in, I think I, think I, I, did, I wasn't on the wait list or anything, I got right in, mm -hmm. but um, I think I was probably on the lower end of candidates at the time. And what year was that? That was, so my first year at Michigan would be um, 89, the fall of 89. Wow, what yeah. a year. It was great. Um, well, 
keep in mind, I just had missed, I had knew when I was going when they won the basketball national championship, but 89 through uh, 93. Oh, yeah, they won the championship in April of right. 89, and then, yes. you made your, and then you enrolled in the fall. Okay. You got it. I was actually on spring break when they won the championship, so I felt a part of it knowing I was going to Michigan, yeah, yeah. but great, incredible teams across the board, hockey, Fab Five, um, and football was fantastic. And really, yeah. Gary Moeller, um, Bo was the coach in 89s was last year, and then yeah. Moeller took over. And they were fantastic teams. Of course, Desmond won the we've, – we've seen a lot about that with uh, the Alabama guy winning the uh, – right. But As the receiver. Uh, a, goal, a golden era, if you will, in my opinion, just fantastic sports. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Similar story, I was a freshman in 97. So, you know, for the first year, we had no losing in football. <laughs> yeah. Basketball, it was trailers – final year. So they won the Big Ten tournament, yep. actually, but they didn't do anything else. Um, and hockey was that winter as well. Yeah. So winter of 98. Fantastic. So cool. Fantastic. No, it's it great. It's all downhill since then. So one of the questions I usually get is like, well, well you were a state fan growing up. Mm-hmm. You went to Michigan. Like, what was that transition like? And I always tell people it was five seconds yeah. into moving into South Quad. Yep. I was a Michigan fan, and I can't describe it, but it was almost like, and by the way, I had friends from East Lansing in that area, they, they took longer, <laughs> okay, but um, rest assured, it was an instant flip, and it's never, ever wavered. Again, I respect I, Michigan State, I, I, but it's, it's completely flipped immediately, so. Same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember I got, I applied really early, I got the letter, and you know, I had my Michigan hoodie on the next day at, at, at high school, right? Like, yeah. That was it. it was done. 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 Yeah. So, okay. So after college, right, what year was that? So like 93, 94? Yeah. So I have, I have kind, kind of a pre, unique... Pre-internet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of, kind of a unique um, kind of path of my career. So I was poli-sci major uh, within the school at LSNA at Michigan. Had an interest in politics. Actually went on a the the seventh grade trip to DC, which a lot of schools do. Yeah. Mine was the Close Up Foundation, um, where you got to spend some time in DC, and I was just fascinated with the place. I loved the energy of it, and I always kind of had my eye on. I gotta go check this place out. So I actually my first um, job out of uh, Michigan was actually working for. I worked for Fred Upton, who's still a congressman out in the west side of the state. Um, and for a period, um, actually I reversed it. I actually worked for uh, Senator, Senator Regal, uh, the summer of my, going into my senior year, and then I got a, a job, an internship, an unpaid internship, by the way, with Fred Upton. And out of that, I, I did get some job offers to work in the Senate, but this was right on Capitol Hill. Yeah. So I worked on Capitol Hill. I love it when they show, they actually started showing some of the pictures underneath the Capitol uh, the other day when, when everyone was scrambling. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I love it because I used to wake up in the morning on the, on the Senate side, uh, take the train, get, enter, enter the Senate buildings, which are on one side of the Capitol Hill, take the train to the Capitol, weave through like the Goodfellas basement of the go to the other side, get on the train and take it to the house. And basically, be the first one there to open up and open the mail and do all that stuff. Cool. It was pretty wild. Yeah, it was a cool experience. So that was for the summer. Um, no, that, that was, was a, that was that was my gig, okay. and I worked as a bartender on at a Chicago pizza place right on Capitol Hill, right around the corner from my apartment. That was definitely it was probably about as big as the little room <laughs> we're in right now. 
Yeah. Could have been in your studio. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, when, how, when did you come back to Michigan? So um, let's see, it took a while. I ended up getting, uh, I, I got a job in finance uh, for a small finance, a lender. Uh, we did small loans, mortgages, mm -hmm. debt consolidation, that kind of thing. Um, I don't think they're in business anymore. They're absorbed by Wells Fargo, but you have companies like that around. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend them. Um, <laughs> but I, I went on to get my MBA at Indiana um, coming out of that. Okay, so I, cool. was actually, I actually was promoted to branch manager when I was 24. So I ran a branch in Chesapeake, Virginia, and then decided to put my sights on MBA um, and went to Indiana. And they offered, me, they offered me a partial compensation and things like that. And, I was, and at the time, Indiana is a very big, uh, good business school, yeah. but they were, they were kind of revolutionizing some things and they were one of the top 10 business schools. And I had a fantastic experience there. All right, so now you're, you got three Big Ten schools close to your heart, perhaps, right? Yeah, it's no? all about Michigan. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it's nice to see Indiana do things, but I, but I really feel, and I think a lot of people with their graduate school. It's not as much. No, yeah. it's kind of hard, but it was full time for two years, uh -huh. you know, yeah. And, and so now we're getting into the internet age. Probably, yeah, right. We're we, uh, we're on the brink of it. Like yeah. we had email and stuff. At, yeah, <laughs> it's funny to say, but we had to go to a, a computer and log on and uh -huh. that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, so so the internet and, and and yeah, so that that's what really drove my next move, which was uh, through contacts at Michigan. They were working on big projects, uh, consulting projects in in Washington D.C. So I still love D.C. and I had an opportunity there to join a firm. So I started with an internship in the summer, and they hired me when I got my MBA on an IT consulting firm, okay, which was big, a big shop where we did big custom development, coding, the whole kind, build software solutions right at the end of the 90s there. Okay. And that's really, and they, so my background, I didn't have any background in IT, so I came in as like a business analyst or a project manager, a good guy to have around, mm -hmm. right? That evolved through project management, um, through some different companies to really kind of what I do today which is I lead, um, I'm a IT director, mm -hmm. um, manager of people, you know, director of processes, but it's really around delivery and project management. What's that? Not coding. Uh, I'm not coding. In <laughs> fact, um, so I, I, one of my uh, stops recently was for a medical supplier that got bought by the company I work for now. And I, in my interview, I remember telling them, I'm like, you know, if, if you give me a quiz, uh, I'm going to fail. If, like, if you give me a technology quiz. <laughs> so um, I'm better at other skills. But I think their skills, based on my background on Capitol Hill and in finance and at Michigan and the places I've been, I think I've taken all that into an IT world mm -hmm. where a lot of times the best technical people get elevated, but they can't always talk the talk or, yeah. or communicate effectively. Um, I, I mean, feel like that's served me well. I'll just put it that way. Today, right, you can run a website and have no technology skills, right? Yeah. But back in like 2000, if you were running a website, you'd be like the most advanced. Right. You know? Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Okay. You pull someone off the street. I'm still the guy that in the family and, every, and yeah. people that, that have to either recommend a laptop or talk to yeah. it or all this. Just with the people I work with, very low on the scale. So at this point... Are you thinking, hey, I, uh, I could maybe start my own website of some sort and maybe, maybe a blog, maybe make some money doing it, yeah. maybe, maybe just as a hobby, or 
Yeah, so one of our projects, because we were right on the cusp of the web, was to out of business school, which really is the origins of M. Victor's. Um, we were tasked to start um, a website, just create a website, uh, yeah. you know, back in the day, which was which was a little bit of a novel idea still, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But learn HTML, and, and but this is in a business school setting, so this isn't highly technical. I loved it. I was fascinated by it. In fact, we used to have an investment club, like the like the uh, who who are the ladies, the beard sound ladies or whatever. But we had a group of guys from Okemos in that area, and we invested together. And I, the first thing I did was I created a website for us to talk okay. about what we did. You know, we had a ticker, yeah. all that silly stuff. <laughs> but that really got me interested in the web uh-huh. and communicating with people during that with that format, which led to me starting to write and starting to write about things I'm passionate about. Not just about Michigan, but about really anything. Movies, just topics I was interested in, what's going on in my life. And this is before Facebook and everything, right? And I remember people telling me, you're kind of putting all your stuff out there. Like take an occasional picture of a family member. Like why, you know, why would you want to do that? And and I am, you know, I'm not a big, I'm fairly uh, closely guarded with, with, with my family and stuff like that. But I never felt like I was crossing any boundaries. If you looked at the very limited stuff I talked about on that website today, compared to what's on Facebook on a daily yeah. basis, yeah, everything's out there. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, so, go ahead. So leading edge on that type of subject matter, right? It was. But, but also being authentic. Right? Yeah. Well, that and that's the thing, because I think what, what happened was uh, people around the Michigan community, which, which generally speaking are pretty well technically advanced, at least the people I was communicating with, they were, they were attracted to some of the stuff I started writing about Michigan. And it started to get some attention. And people started asking me about it. And then, um, you know, occasionally maybe someone will say, hey, I see you're writing on this history topic. Maybe, maybe come in and talk. Can you come on, on WTKA and talk? Bacon, John Bacon used to have a show. Right, so I started to go like, well, people are kind of interested in this. And it's funny, I, I wasn't really a huge fan of the history. In fact, like a lot of historic things happened when I was at Michigan. Tom Harmon passed away when I was at Michigan. I didn't know who Tom Harmon was. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you asked me in 1994, after I graduated, who's about Tom Harmon, I might've known his name, um, but I didn't know he passed away. It was probably a pretty big deal. They probably had something at the game. I was a student. I was doing other things, right? Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't care that much. And I think a lot of students are like that. It's definitely more of a guy with a little gray in his beard, like you and me, um, type topic. But I think as you mature and your pride grows and you long for some of those roots in the Michigan days, I think it does become something you appreciate more. So I got some attention for some of the stuff I wrote on history. And so, and I realized, wow, people like this. Yeah. I kind of like it. And that's where it started and it's really gone. And then, and that's when I decided, I think it was 2006 to go, you know, I'm just going to put the content, the Michigan content on its own platform and see what happens. And that's, that's really where it started was about that time. In 2006. Yep. I believe the first time I discovered you was in 2008. Wow. I can picture where I was sitting, you know, and I would go to MGO blog and Victor's and trying to just kind of just get find information yeah right and I was I was like well I wonder if uh, you know M Victor's has something about this game that's coming up or the one that we just played no it's just still brown jug stuff (laughs) that's right (laughs) but I would keep coming back yeah right because you know you're just looking for anything Michigan and then you you start to become really interested in things that 
you didn't know about, right? Like I knew about the jug, right? Like yeah. in, in 2003, when we played at Minnesota, in the and they changed the game from Saturday to Friday. Crazy game, yeah. Friday, for the playoffs, we're down yeah. by like 21 in the fourth quarter. You know, I understood the important like Big Ten championship team and the jug, and it was just you know. It was the transcontinental of John Navarre. Fantastic. Yeah. But uh, I understood the joke, but I didn't know all the history. Yeah. And I just well, I don't. I don't even it. think I knew it all back then, right? And that's one nice thing about this is it is it. Um, I've found when you do this history stuff, and I'm very well versed on like pre 1950. Like you throw a year out, I can probably <laughs> tell you something that was going on, right? And but you 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 get new pieces of information. You, you read new perspectives. You find now the daily's digitized. You find an old daily article that contradicts something that you wrote about before. It's happened, right? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, because there's, there's a lot. History History is a funny thing. People think it's very finite and crisp and this and that. Mm. There's just like today, just like if, if you read different accounts of the events that are happening right today. We have yeah. all these crazy things going on. Pandemic, what happened at the Capitol. Yeah, history. In 80 years, it'll be written. Absolutely, absolutely. Way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but you back then. I mean, that's kind of what you're. There's no podcast. There's not all these people, and, and you kind of have to piece together. You still have to do this. Well, what really happened here? Yeah. Read between the lines of what actually happened, and then there's a cultural context to it too. Like there are race issues, and um, that that clearly happened, and there's there's. Uh, challenges at Michigan that have been written about, but you also have this challenge. It's hard part. It's tough to talk about, and it's tough, it's hard to assess. But the fact is, there there were cultural and society differences that you have to lay over. And I know we get into this, but you can't you can't just view it through 2020s lens. But where where are the places to do that? The jug is is I'll tell you. I've I've flipped my opinion, believe it or not, on some of the things I've written on the jug. Um, but I, I, I really like it because it, it gives it is this never ending um, growing organism of the history of the school that that I really love. And the jug, and I'll tell you one thing, I like to talk about memorabilia, and this is obviously not the real jug, that would be cool. <laughs> but, but this is your favorite, right? <laughs> this is the ultimate piece, I'd argue, of football. And I'm not talking college, I'm talking football memorabilia. This is the first, the first. trophy. Yeah. You know, that, and again, there's an older trophy they found in the closet somewhere that, that Arizona and Arizona State play for. It's so silly. We've played for this thing, you know, since 1909. It was established in 1903. It started all of these trophies. Why? Because it's pretty cool. It is. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like the it, Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah. Bacon asked me, you know, how much is this thing worth in his book, right? Hmm. Um, it, it depends, you know. You obviously, stuff like to, this. Take it to London and have an auction. Right? Well, <laughs> stuff like this, it's t- it's definitely tens of thousands of dollars. The real one. Oh, easily. Yeah. So this was. What's the website that sells these? Um, right. Well, my, yeah. Give them a plug. Rivalry yeah. Trophy. They make Rivalry this. Trophy. They make they they make a bunch of the Big Ten ones. And and last I talked to my friend Brian, they did. A, this the was Paul what Bunyan. they started with. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're state fans, and they made the Paul Bunyan Trophy. They did a fantastic job. The the real one's much bigger, right? You know, and I give them credit because people always ask me about the Bunyan Trophy compared to the Jug, because those are the two trophies we play for. Yeah. And Michigan, Michigan never wanted this trophy. Right. But I'll tell you, 
the, the job that Rivalry Trophy did with this little Paul Bunyan has really turned me on it where I like it now. I wish we didn't lose it, but I love it. Right. <laughs> now, is this one piece the real? Because when I see Chase Winovich carrying it around, I, I don't see the bottom part. Yeah, know? and I don't, I don't know if this is, like the jug is to scale. In fact, I told you before the thing, they, they used my dimensions on my website <laughs> to help craft it. And they looked at it. Um, but this, the, the Paul guy screws off. And that's why okay. they always carry him around. Yeah. This base, I don't think it's the scale because it's huge. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought that's what I thought. So uh, that explains it. Comically but, huge. You know, speaking of Chase, uh, it, uh, it was the 2018 game in East Lansing on the Revenge Tour. Yeah. Uh, I, I was just scalping. You know, I got tickets in the, it would be the north end zone. And they, they brought it down there. And I went right down to the front row like, you know, because that was an important game. Yeah, yeah, big time. Right, and it was seven-seven in the fourth quarter. So the yeah. TPJ bomb. Yep. In the fourth quarter, and then he had a little, you know, touchdown celebration. Immortal. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. So anyway, uh, and it, and it, and I always tell people like, um, you know, how do you assess these rivalries? And let's just talk about Michigan Ohio, Michigan State, and Ohio State. It hurts more to lose to Michigan State it feels better to beat Ohio State. That's how I describe it. Hmm. And, and I think it's for a lot of people, it hurts more because we feel like we're supposed to beat Michigan yeah, State. I agree. And also we hear about it a lot. A lot we hear from Ohio State fans all year, but they're less in our ear and less at work. And yeah. just everyone in Michigan has Michigan, Michigan State yes. fans. You have Notre Dame and Ohio State sprinkled in. Yes. It feels better to be Michigan to Ohio State for a lot of reasons, but that's the standard we put ourselves to. Um, so there, it's different kind of reaction, both emotional and visceral, but it's different. I agree. Yeah. So back to the website, um, how has it evolved over the years? Yeah. So um, it's evolved in that I started out kind of writing about um, everything that I like to write about, mm -hmm. like. I even did, I used to even do, people would laugh today, but I even did like a preseason preview one year, like what to look for and things like that, which I don't doubt are interesting. Um, what, it, what it evolved to, um, and then I got a press credential. I've been in the press, been invited to the press box. It's a privilege. Um, I was one do of you, the first do you, ones. Do you watch the games there? Yes. So I was Phil Callahan from UM Go Blue, um, a friend of mine. He, I believe, was the first guy that Bruce Made, the SID at the time, let mm -hmm. in. I believe I was second. And we were in the old press box, like so, before yeah. they, so this was years ago, right? Um, yeah, and we've been was, in- That was 2010. Yeah, okay. The new press box. The new, so, so 2009. Um, so, privilege for sure. Yes, I do watch, I do like it. Um, some people don't. Like Brian from MGO Blog could, could watch the game up there, I, I think. Um, he, has, he often has people up there. I think he prefers to be in the stands. I don't, um, there's, there's reasons for that. But I also have a bunch of friends now up in the press box that I like to see on game day. Mm -hmm. And I like the experience from up there. But he, here's what's changed with them, Victors, is I used to write about everything. What I decided to do um, years ago was, was really focus on history and culture, right? There's plenty of people and plenty of content on X and O's. Yeah. I don't doubt there's a few people out there because I've been around that might value my opinion on what the football team is doing and what positions and X and O's and recruiting. Those things 
Though that's you, you can have recruiting, man. That, but all <laughs> that stuff drives tons of traffic and things like that. And it's never and, been and about subscriptions, subscriptions and money and advertisers, right? Mm-hmm. It's never been about that for me, obviously, because <laughs> I chose history. Um, <laughs> but I tried. I decided to focus on history. Really, everything I write about is off the field. The uniforms, yeah. Um, the the memorabilia, the history uh, uh, in general. And uh, even even my, uh, I, I've moved on to like more web-based content, and I do spots for WTKA, and I've written in the game program. Everything is about is about history, and that's yeah. what I do. And I don't know that there's someone like me anywhere else in college football, who just does that. But Michigan has enough. We right. we were we played the first game west of the, the Allegheny, so. So you've really yeah. found your niche with history and culture. Well, I decided to go there. Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean? It's, it's evolved to doing just that and doing just that whenever I feel like it. Okay, so I don't have a schedule. Yeah. Um, I do have some regular features. Yep. In fact, um, Dr. You, Sapp and you, stuff. Yeah, yeah. and, you, and, and we, we did some spots for Peak this, this fall. Thank you, yeah. And so I do have some regular features, but Sap produces his decals. Um, I produce which has been kind of fun, sad at the same time, like a mood index and other, other oh, things. Oh, I that love I, that. Yeah. It's at an all-time low. <laughs> it's pretty bad. What about, hey, what about one for hoops? Um, you know, I don't feel like doing that. So, so but, but you're right. Imagine all the new advertising down I will say <laughs> hoops is pretty high right now. And I, and, I, and I observed this. And I always chat with Steve Clark, who's part of the WTKA you know, uh, pregame show. He's on Wednesdays on the, the midweek peak. And I told him, I'm like, you know, after that Minnesota game, I'm like, this is the first time if you had a genie and you could say, John Beeline's still here or John Beeline's back, you know, or whatever. After whatever. this week's Minnesota It was the first game. time I would say no. Keep say him. no what? Keep him. No. I, oh. I, no, I don't, you know, genie, you have a wish. Yeah. John Beeline never left yeah. or whatever, or yeah. he's available. He, he's your coach. Last year, yeah, dude, loved Juwan, went to school with Juwan, yeah. love him. Last year, gosh, that hurt because I love Beeline. And you can't, you can't knock the results, right? Oh, man. After watching this team and what they do, I oh, I wouldn't trade him. I, I don't know who I would trade him for. But with, plus, you know, again, we're joking about recruiting with the players that apparently we have coming in. Are they still number this, one? Um, I, that's the last I heard. But yeah. watching this team play, and they're doing, like, without nerding out on basketball, um, they're, they're crashing the boards on offense, they're getting back on defense, they're completely in your face, they're doing it all. Like I feel like Beeline sacrificed some of that to get back on D, but we're getting a ton of buckets, you know, and I just love watching them. Think about this, like we lose Walton and Wagner, yeah, and then we get Simpson and Teske, and now we've got Smith and Dickinson, and different games, you know, but like I, I, I can't even pick. Who would you pick, right? No, I know. I love all of them. That's that's a great. That's another funny scenario. Another scenario is feelings about Harbaugh, which we could get into. But <laughs> that that I feel like for the fan base is tilted around the same time. Yeah. It's like, but yeah. anyway, it's been fun. But, but last year with basketball, they started out. Remember the Thanksgiving tournament where they crushed yeah. North Carolina and Gonzaga. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they were unranked and they were ranked like fourth, like in one week, like the biggest jump ever. And this year again, started 25th, went unranked, and now top 10, but they faded last year. Yeah, so we'll I'm see. Trying, yeah, I'm trying to 
maintain my I expectations. Just, I the way these guys play. In fact, I was I was joking with someone. Man, I would love to see an intra squad scrimmage with these guys. <laughs> it must be intense. It must be insane. You know, and I if I would I can't even believe I'm saying this now. Like I thought this team would be a boring, maybe have a chance for the you know probably in the NCAA tournament. But man, the way Wagner's progressed and Dickinson's been amazing. Yeah, my buddy Chris, who I went to Michigan with, he's a ref for college. Not he's working up to Big Ten. But he did an inter-squad uh, wrecking gig for Michigan. Must have been insane. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I never thought of it until you just brought it up. But well, especially if they like separated Wagner and Dickinson. Um, I don't know. It, it must have been crazy. Yeah. yeah. And that's when Dickinson was still like the sixth man, you know? Unbelievable. <laughs> that guy's crazy. So what do you see as the future for blogging and M. Victors? Um, it's, it's, I'll tell you that um, I don't think about this a lot, right? I kind of just do it. I did start to produce more video content because, um, again, I kind of been on a run where I felt like there's different formats to get this stuff out. Let's try this. And, and I've learned a skill, right, which is a great way to experiment with a, with a hobby or something. Um, I do think Twitter and social media have changed it, not only because of the power of it, but I think people, uh, as, we, as we progress here, are getting information in shorter bites. They're getting TikTok videos that are 10 seconds. They're getting tweets. Um, you know, that are, that are limited characters. And I reach more people, you know, it bugs me because I write all these, I've written some well-researched, well-thought-out, like, historical things that have changed history. I've changed the history of the Little Brown Jug. I don't mind saying that. You know, I'm not bragging. I, I've, I've the, the, the standard history of the jug was wrong. It was just, it was, the data was wrong. And I fixed uh -huh. that. For a lot of people, it's tough to unring some historical bells, yeah. so to speak. But um, I reach more people through a goofy um, Twitter tweet, you know, tweet than, yeah. than say, a well-thought-out article yeah. on, on M. Victor. So, but, but you can use that to drive traffic, right? I, I can, and I, and I don't necessarily view it as business. I, d I have created, um, like, I do have uh, advertisers, and I've, it's, 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 there was a point when I was making enough money where it mattered and I was doing freelance work like for the university to write programs I was getting paid for that and other stuff um, it's it's definitely evolved into it's it's nice to try to find a good um, a good match for my website advertise with them make a little bit of money if it makes sense to cover some costs because I pay I do pay sap it's not a lot but I pay sap and there are hosting costs and things like that it's, mm -hmm. it's not outrageous but that's kind of the way I think about things. We'll talk about personal finance in a bit, but in my mind, I, I'd like to cover my costs, and that's about it. Um, I, so you don't look at it as a business venture at all? Um, I, uh, be, besides covering No, no problem, but, but um, I'm, I'm older than you. I'm moving on. Um, one thing about financial diligence is it gives you options to do things. So is there a day where I could see myself doing more speaking? And uh, lecturing, I do. I'm a guest lecturer at U of M in their history class quite often. I've the done bacon that. class. Yep, the bacon this year. Spat the bacon. It's it's mate. It's taken on different people, yeah. but I can see myself being more active in that. Um, being on the radio more, you know, doing more things like that around M Victors because uh -huh. that's always going to be. I'm doing more video content. Uh -huh. um, is it is it ever going to be like a business enterprise that? 
funds my family and things like that? No, okay. I don't think so. But could it be the thing I do? If you would sell out to recruiting, it might. It just might be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah historical. It's funny. There are historical recruiting articles that like SAP has worked on in the 70s that are actually pretty good. Wow. <laughs> stories about like uh, recruiting Anthony Carter, which yeah. is really cool. Like some huh. of the stories there. Yeah. We all know about recruiting Chris Weber, right? Right, right, <laughs> right. And I heard, I heard he's coming out with a documentary yeah. on his perspective of the Fab Five. I thought those guys did a great job with the first one. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I enjoyed that. I'm a big Jalen guy too. I think he's great. You and know, by the way, his what he's doing, and I don't know from personal experience, but from optics of what he's doing with his Jalen Rose Leadership Academy, with all the forces and all the challenges we have in our society, the fact that a guy stepped up, created a school, um, goes out and funds it, and seems to be having success getting, getting uh, inner city kids to college, and, and on a good path. I mean, that is, that's real stuff right there. That's, fantastic. that's got bite on it. With that said, yeah. when I was in high school, I hated the Fab Five as a Spartan fan. Yeah. Because they just kicked our butt, right? And I never got to enjoy cheering for those guys. But, you know, having Juwan back and, you know, watching the documentary from a different perspective, you know, it, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, no, no, it's, it was, uh, <laughs> it must it have been was, amazing. It was, and I was at the Final Four. I was actually about 20 rows behind the bench when uh, Weber called the timeout wow. um, in New seats. Orleans. They were great. We, we had a hookup in the uh, ticket office. Wink, wink. So, not me directly. So, so from, I graduated in 01, okay? So, we had a tournament team in 98, all the way through like 09. No, no winning records, like no tournament appearances. So. I wasn't really a big tourney fan. Can you believe it? Yeah, you know? yeah. And Michigan State's winning national championships and going to the Final Four every other year. <laughs> right. It was really bad for me, you know? Like, man, when I was a Spartan fan, we had Sean Respert, but we never went anywhere. And when I was a Michigan fan, we never went anywhere. But now we're looking pretty good. And when we and had the, the tournament's fun as heck, right? It's I mean, awesome. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing like it. So the Trey Burke team, uh, 2013, we were on a Disney cruise, and we were playing Kansas, the, the the 10 point comeback win where he yeah. just launched it to force overtime yeah, game in Dallas sure i was i was the only one there was like 10 people in the bar on the disney cruise i was the only michigan fan and there's like nine kansas fans that was fun that must have been fun yeah no. that was a lot of fun i love it because you win those two games it's two games two games two games which is like how i want to say how fisher thought about it like he tried to compartmentalize maybe it was beeline maybe it is beeline like mini tournaments right yeah. but you get the satisfaction of getting through that two games and then you have that 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 week build that short week with the short build up to like where all you're thinking about is that next game mm -hmm. just love it and, and of course we've you know it's been best. right on the cusp a few times here so how did you get involved with uh financial peace so that's so um so like with m victors i i do like go hard at things right i go hard at hobbies right like okay greg you're in the press box you, you do all these things and speaking and lecturing yeah I, I i go hard and one thing that i i've always felt was that and i've seen this more and more just like you described but an adult version of what you described back in hazlitt where you see people around you and you see the forces around you and you see that we kind of have the cards stacked against us in a lot of ways around financial health, mm -hmm. okay? From, from uh, look, uh, 
we're inundated with credit card ads, with gambling ads now. I mean, everyone's driving at you to get your money. And I feel like we're not equipped. Many of us aren't equipped. And we weren't. We were talking about like high school. Like I never had a personal finance class in high no. school. But I benefited from a family and parents who were very, very, they're a high financial IQ, I'll put it that way, okay? And I picked up things from them. But we didn't sit down and never say, and by the way, I don't know if that, how that conversation would have went in high school. So I don't, I'm not saying there's an answer. Because, you know, I'll liken it to this. As a consultant, I used to be a consultant, right? In my early IT career, we'd fly it around, we'd do the consultant schedule Sunday or Monday to Thursday. All consultants talk about when they're not talking about work is travel points and travel mm -hmm. and, and tips, tricks for airlines, hotels, all that. Mm -hmm. I could explain all that self to my high school self who'd never been on a plane or barely been on a plane, you know, or whatever. But until you live it or experience it, there's a lot of things that I think that um, you have to you have to be older or, be, or experience or start to experience or have feel it to matter. I do think financial. Uh, uh, knowledge of financial processes, of systems, uh, of formulas is something that we've been short shrifted. And there's all this, all this energy around people trying to get your money. No one denies that. I mean, there's MIT um, graduates who are going into how, how can I make food that people are going to buy over and over again? How, I, how can we sell credit cards more effectively? Mm -hmm. How can we marry all these things to grab your money? But it's not countered with um, a lot of discipline around it. Most of us have to pick it up from our parents. Okay, yeah, go you on. Follow, you follow right in line with your parents, or you can rebel against them and say, "I see what they're doing. I don't like it." That yeah, makes sense to me. No, and I, and I'll tell you, like, um, and I'm sure it's still the case. Um, you, my first experience outside the home really was going to Michigan and picking up my. You know, I'm there at school. One of the first things you do is go get your books at Ulrich's Bookstore back in the day. And, you know, you dump your book bag out and there's 17 um, American Express applications in there. And there's, and by the way, I'm both in and out, you're getting screamed at by someone for a free water bottle. It still happens today. So on top of that, you know, we're, we're kind, there, there's no one, there's not a lot of people saying debt is bad, right? Debt is normal. And that's- It's a tool. It's a tool, but, um, the fact is, a lot of people, um, in my opinion, uh, it's it's abused, and people people are, are um, drowning, right? And it's, it's so one of one of the it's always been a topic of mine, an interest of mine. Mm -hmm. I I've been pretty lucky, like financially, because and I think I came, came from my parents, like fiscally prudent and all that. But I started to list to do more research about it because it was a topic of mine, and I found Dave Ramsey who a lot of people know, right? Nashville-based radio host, podcaster. Um, he runs Ramsey Solutions, which is a big, big organization in Nashville. And he, he does a tough love. Um, uh, he has a program, a baby step program. It starts with getting out of debt, mm -hmm. right? And through financial, what he calls uh, financial freedom, financial peace. And I think most people find him because they feel that pain of debt. Yeah, right. and that's and that's that's what's important is his show is really more about life and navigating life than it is money. Money's the backdrop, but it's really about these hard often people call with tragedies. Mm -hmm. and conversely, people call up like I have a windfall or I did it right, I'm at the end. What do I do now? Um, we don't don't know. Feel like there are 
I, so I saw it, like, what's a good way? I've been pretty lucky. I'm very interested. I follow this stuff very closely as, as just, interest, just interested in it. How do I do better with my money? Mm-hmm. How do I manage my money? And I, how do we optimize? How do we optimize? How do we be intentional about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's treated like we fill our pantry with good food. We've made a decision about what we buy all the time. Um, you know, and, and my personality lends itself to, did I do the right thing with this purchase? Did I invest this right? Mm-hmm. I want to know, so I researched it. So it got to, I enjoy speaking through M. Victors, mm-hmm. got to speak, enjoy doing stuff like this. And so, you know, what, what is a way for me to maybe give back a little bit and share some of the things I know? And that's where Ramsey, I found out Ramsey offered this uh, course called Financial Peace University, which takes volunteer coordinators. Mm-hmm. They give you all the materials. It's like an eight-week course. Mm-hmm. And usually it's like at a church once a week, right? Yep. And that's another thing. Ramsey is unabashedly a Christian, but, he, yeah. you know, he's an evangelical Christian, which you, you hear that for some people, that's a turn off. He doesn't jam it down your throat, but he does leverage um, history and Proverbs, like more Judeo-Christian Old Testament mm-hmm. wisdom along the way, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But it, it, it's often done in church. I did it at a church community center when I did it. But it's, it's adults. It's people like us at different stages maybe of their, of their financial health. And it's, it's, it's walking through those stages of... Um, everything from getting out of debt, building a budget, getting out of debt, yeah. and the steps that he recommends to do that all the way through things like insurance, mm-hmm. selling your house, giving, living, giving. And again, it's like an adult class that- It's a class sh- that we should have had in high school. It is, and again, <laughs> I, I, just, I just want, but, it, but it, for a lot of people, they're already, it's already real right, for them and a lot of people. And, and frankly, Nick, look, I, I live in a nice neighborhood. I can tell you just percentage-wise, there's, there's plenty of people in my neighborhood, I'm sure, I'm sure, who are car loaned, credit card debt, balance, the whole deal, living above their means yeah. is normal. They're one paycheck away, right? It's normal. It's, it's, it's what Ramsey calls normal. So how do you get weird, right? How do you get weird? How do you actually go, wait, maybe there's a, there's a challenge here. It's, it's too common, but we don't talk about it. And... Um, so that's what attracted me. And I'll tell you, I got a lot out of it. I've done two classes. Um, my, my last one ended right after COVID. I did it actually with a neighbor. It was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And um, I got a lot out of it. I think the course is good. I think you would probably have a bone to pick with some of like the way Ramsey approaches it. Um, and we can get into that. But like Ramsey would, would, you should cut up your credit cards and never use them again. Use yeah. debit cards, right? Um, or use the cash envelope system. Cash, cash envelope system for budgeting. But I'll tell you this. I, one thing that I've learned is no matter where you are on that spectrum, and let's say you're at what he calls baby step seven, which is live and give like nobody else. And by the way, giving is something that's stressed even from the beginning steps is find a way to give, not because it's the right thing to do, but that it is part of a healthy culture of wealth building and financial management is that you, you feel the power of giving it, giving it away. Um, one thing I found is no matter where you are in that spectrum, there are a lot of these principles apply and they've helped me, but having a budget, um, I, you know, I do pretty well in my job. I like having a budget. You know what? When, when my, uh, when my aunt gives me a hundred bucks, you know, it matters to me, (laughs) you know, it does. And I'm, I'm, you know, an investor and all that good stuff, but I like that 
that small things still matter. You know what I mean? Smaller things. A hundred bucks is a, is a lot of money to a lot of people. I don't want to discount that, but a five dollar birthday gift from your grandma who still gives you five bucks, um, you still appreciate it. It still matters. It's part, you know, it's part of an ecosystem. And if you live like that, I think you invest like that. And okay, let's say you refinance your mortgage. You had a what's called a two thousand dollar mortgage. You got one of these great rates. It's down to twelve hundred bucks. Invest that eight hundred bucks. Or keep paying the two thousand and shorten the term. Or right? keep paying the two thousand. Yeah. Treat it like a continued bill. Yeah, and Ramsey's a big fan of reducing the fifteen. Um, his his plan, he calls it the snowball. The debt snowball is really baby step two. Mm-hmm. And what he recommends, which which people have controversy with, stop everything else. Baby step one is find a thousand bucks. Baby step two is line them up smallest to largest, and knock out your debts, including car loans. Okay, houses later. But stop everything is where people people have a problem. Like, wait a minute, stop my 401k that has a match? He, he says yes. I would take the match. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, it's free money. It's 100% ROI. Yeah. And then, I, then I'm, I'm good with it. You would. And I'll tell you, I've turned on this where I support Ramsey's view. Really? Because, and there's research to back it up. But I think you would agree that it's bigger than... It's big, money is bigger than just dollars and, and spreadsheets and, and adding up, adding yeah. up in interest rates. Yeah. It's emotional and behavioral. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so I'd liken it to like a 12-step program for AA. There's a lot of steps in there that have nothing to do with alcohol, okay? The steps that he's promoting, he's basically saying you need to make a behavioral and emotional change and it needs to hurt, okay? So like, well, you're giving money away. Uh, there's actually some research to say, okay, if you really want to get out of this habit of running up credit card debts and having car loans that you really couldn't afford, you really got to have a brute force you know, step where you get small wins, you build momentum, and when you get to the end of that tunnel, go ahead and you know, reload your 401k, yeah, and do that kind of thing. And he has guidance for that. Sometimes people come to me and they're asking about their debt problems, right? Yeah. And you know, from a traditional, traditional uh, investment advisor point of view, it's like, well, we manage the assets, right? Not the, not the debts, not yeah. the liabilities. But I do share the same philosophy on 99%. I don't, I don't like debt. I'm not a big fan. It's a tool, right? But we have, to, we have to have a plan to pay back. We have to have all the smart behavioral decisions. Sure, but, but, I but I'd say credit card debt that you roll and a car that you couldn't afford but the payment was nice yeah. is not a tool. It's a right. bad, really, it's not, the worst tool ever. It's not the payment. Yeah. It's the payoff. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but like... The, the behavioral and mental and emotional beauty of taking that Sharpie and like crossing off that card that just got paid off, yeah. that's really something. No, and yeah. he, he, yeah, there's, there's, there's a whole community of people who make charts like that, yeah. where, where you, you crayon in the steps like mm-hmm. Candyland of your debt payoff. And, and it's, it's fun. Yeah, you make it a family thing. It's rewarding, yeah. right? You put it on the fridge, whatever, you walk past it 10 times a day. And I tell people, you know, look, I, I tell people the stuff about the snowball, but I say, look, go subscribe to Dave's podcast because he can inspire you way better than I can. Yeah, he, he's a talented guy. <laughs> he's, inspi- he's, he's inspirational. You're, you guys are good, though, because I've, I've heard your podcast, and I'll say, and I'll give you a plug, is one thing, actually, I was listening to Ramsey on the way here to get a little inspired because I knew we were, <laughs> yeah. we were going to talk about him, right? And he, he actually, coincidentally, he talked about the HSA and where it kind of yeah. fits. And 
I heard Ramsey talk about it, and I, I was at a company that never offered an HSA, but now I'm at one, right? The, the company bought me, they, this, is a, this is a benefit they have. And I never really thought about it. Like I knew about FSA and HSA. I'm like, why oh, am I? HSA is way better. Yeah, why am I jacking around with this stuff? I'm fine. Well, I looked at it, and then I heard you, you and Jim talk yeah. about it, um, and the the kind of the triple. You guys like to talk about the triple benefit of the tax, the tax triple, bank. It's the only thing with yeah. the triple tax. It's a it's 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 a Roth IRA ish kind of like great benefit. It's the, yeah. It's it's like IRA and Roth IRA all together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. It's fantastic. It's pre-tax. Yeah, I'd take it out. So, and then of course you have to use it for, for health-related expenses. But that's like saying you have to use it for food. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you ninety percent of what you can find at a CVS you can use with your HSA and if you here's want. Another, here's another thing that people don't realize. Yeah. Like I'm 41. I keep my medical receipts because the billing systems are terrible. Right. You get double billed all the time. Okay. You gotta yeah. really watch that stuff. But I keep them for that reason, and I'm continuing to keep them because. I can use the receipts for today to justify HSA withdrawals in the future. Fantastic. It's I didn't know that. Yeah, that's great. See, hot tip right there. That's right. Um, I love it. The other thing, Ramsey, um, he's, there's a couple reasons for this, but you probably know that Ramsey is a big fan of wealth, wealth advisors yeah. and wealth investors. We, we at one point were a Smart Investor Pro, which okay. is a, a special program that they use, which we were part of for like, a year and a half. I'm curious how that worked for you. We can, we can talk about it offline if you <laughs> yeah. want, but but he 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 gets money from referrals for that, yeah. right? That's a big part it's of his a, it's business. It's like an advertising program. Yeah. yeah, he has and he has uh, insurance companies he recommends. Real he has, estate. Yep, he has he has uh, trusted you know Dave Ramsey certified this or that. Mm -hmm. So make no mistake about it. He this is a money making venture for him. I don't know that it steers a lot of his opinions, but he is going to steer you toward the people that that you know. Yes. That are part of this program, um, which I think is okay. He's got an insurance company that um, I think is there in Nashville that he he recommends, right? Which great referrals, right? If you can get a big policy, um, but overall, it, it's it is a to me a very logical, tough love way of breaking through some of this that they rely on people in the community to kind of share amazingly for free. I mean, I did eight weeks twice now just because I liked it. People were like, well, "What's in it for you?" There's there's, uh, I had nothing. I mean, honestly, you're paying I, it forward. You know? I well a, a little bit, but but I I get what I get out of it. There's no tangible benefit, but being able to speak to people and educate them, answer their questions, help them, uh, be a resource for them in their lives, kind of cool. Yeah, right. It, is, it, it is. is, and and I know I know I imagine one of the reasons you get satisfaction in this job is the fact is you are helping people. Yeah. Um, and we talk about the emotional behavioral element of it. You want to talk about it when you, let's say you're getting ready to retire or you're, you've paid off all your bills and you want to invest your money and all of a sudden the numbers get a little big and you have stuff that happens in our world like it did last, last March and even, even this week. Um, it's good to have someone there that has lived through this, who deals with these type of decisions and has those trends, who can really remove you from that behavioral and talk you down because if, if this all this stuff is at your fingertips god I, my, I gave my son a robin hood account right just to get him exposed to this kind of thing i mean it's so easy for you to make a rash decision yeah yeah it is yeah so i have i've been in the business since 99 i had an internship at american express financial advisors after my sophomore year and 
saw the tech crash, saw the 2008 financial crisis. And look, as much as I was having trouble in March, right? Having that experience, it really yeah. was critical. It was, it just made things seem a little more clear, right? Yeah. Understanding that markets are markets. And it, we only had a couple of people make any bad decisions, right? And we, we made, I, I, in hindsight, I'm really happy with how we made it through 2020. That's awesome. Um, but as I reflect on it, I think that we held to our beliefs and our core values because of that experience that we have, you know? Yeah, no, no, no doubt. I, I, I actually, I lived through that and I, um, I remember, I, I, it's still the feeling in my gut when I would go, and back then, I assume I went to a website, right? Um, check my 401k balance back then. Yeah. And it was, this wasn't, this all happened so quickly last year. No, no, no. This was like years of yeah. like yeah. painful. Like I'm losing every money I put, a dollar I put in. Of course, it's all come back in spades, right? But yeah. it's like, oh. So the, the, draw, the, draw, the tech bubble drawdown was March 2000 through basically March of 2003 when we invaded Iraq. That was the turn. So that's like full, three full years of just bleeding, right? And 2008, the peak was actually September of 07 when my first boy was born. You know? Yeah. We had our first baby, right? The market's at an all-time high. Business is great. What could go wrong, you know? So September of 07, it didn't bottom until March of 09. So still, um, you know, seven, eight, nine, right? It wasn't a full three years, but it was a long process, more acute than the first one. And this one was just like super short and acute. But, but there's a, we found that there's a correlation between the speed of the drop and the speed of the recovery. Okay. Right, like 2020, quick drop, quick rebound, right? Yeah. Uh, 2000 through 2003, we didn't recover. We barely recovered into 07. Yeah, man. Like 07 was barely better than 2000. It's painful. And there's that 10 years, <laughs> 10 years. But here's the thing, right? You had a lot less money back then. Yeah, sure. Right? You were just, you didn't have any gray hair piker. at that point. Yeah, now, piker. <laughs> now, gray hair and, uh, you know, much further along in your career, hopefully accumulating a lot more assets. Getting there, getting there. Goes down by 35%. You're like, yeah, you know, in a month. Yeah. In 20, 20 business days. No. And, and all, all kinds of things. Like, listen, if you watch these shows like I do, like, you see what is happening in Tesla. If you watch over the last couple of weeks, Bitcoin, wait a minute. Incredible yeah. amount of fear of missing out. If yes. you're, you've got to detach yourself from it. And it's a great opportunity, at least for some, you know, of your money to give it to someone who's been through it. So I, I fully endorse it. And I, and Ramsey does too, in which, you know, I don't think, cause he's very, he's very particular about where, where fees should be, you know, about fees and, and interest rates and what financial products are good and bad. Yeah, he's like whole like versus term. Like, yeah. Right? He's never knocked real estate agents. And again, he, he, he may have some incentive for that, but he's never knocked <laughs> certain insurance products, real estate agents, investment advisors. Um, they provide a service that's valuable, and I totally agree with that. I, I'm, I I'm of, preaching to the choir here. Yeah, but I just thought of one more thing about Ramsey. Um, I was listening to the podcast a couple of years ago, and someone calls up and they say, you know, you know I, I can do X hundred dollars a month to my debt, you know, but the snowball's taking longer than I expected, yada, yada. And he's like, well, what do you do after work? And he's like, I go home, you know? And he's like, 
well, you could be delivering pizza yeah, to, yeah, make, to make extra money, <laughs> yeah. you know, to, to enhance that snowball. Yeah. I'm like, Dave, man, you're really, really pushing them here. Yeah. Well, it gets, so what, what Ramsey would say to that is, um, is, is, is harsh because, again, it's normal. So people are listening to this like, yeah, I got credit card debt or whatever. He, he takes the approach, and again, he's a radio show, so it is entertainment, but he takes the approach like you are being chased by a, you're a gazelle being chased by a jaguar, and if it's not you, it's the next one. That's how you need to get out of debt. Yeah. So whatever it takes. Yeah. Deliver pizzas, cut lawn, mm-hmm. uh, 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 mow green, plow, plow white, and get it done. Get get whatever it does done. What are yeah. you doing? And so that that is he says that all the time. It's inspirational. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else that you uh, that I forgot to ask you about M Victor's or Ramsey or anything like that? No, you know I do. I go at these things hard. I like I like M Victor's. Um, it's it's what's been the best thing about it is really stuff like this. Like like. We have we coincidentally have mutual family members that we know, mm-hmm. but I don't know if we ever would have met each other, right? So I've I've met so many people and I have so many relationships with people connected through the university and through the through the athletic programs and beyond through doing this. Um, that it's just been fantastic. And again, I I I I love the privilege of being in the press box, not necessarily because I get to sit up there and have Tim Hortons coffee, right? Um, it's because is that, is that what they provide you? They have Tim Hortons up there. Well, they're this. Yeah, I may never know. Yeah. <laughs> but I like being up there, and I like and I like doing these things and talking to people. But it's really about connecting with people is what cool. I found. And yeah, and it's cool. It's it's and 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 by the way, I'm harmless, right? I'm talking about history, so my posts don't get a lot of comments. People read them and go, "That's interesting." Like yeah. they don't. Oh, that was cool. That, that's yeah. the, about the extent of it. Yeah. Brian Cook or um, Sam Webb says something controversial or talks about a recruit. Those are things people react to. So, but this is what I like to do. And, you know, I don't know. I like to do this. I like to talk about history. I also like to talk about money stuff and personal finance. So, so we'll see where it takes me. I don't know. But um, one thing about having financial discipline is, again, you know, you're, what you're looking for is to give yourself options in life where you're not locked yeah, in and you're right. intentional about your money today, as Dave says, so you can live and give like nobody else in the future. Well said. I think that is a pretty good wrap. Cool, man. Greg, thanks for coming on the podcast. I think that everything you've done with the website is really cool and all these intangibles you just mentioned, you know, makes it totally worth it. Cool. This is fun. I, I love talking about this stuff. And, and frankly, I think I don't think I've ever talked about my background in quite that depth before. So I hope people find it interesting. I think that people will like to, you know, peel back that onion a little bit. <laughs> Thanks, man. See ya. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.